Today, Sandy, I'm going to read the word that my husband will preach from today. And I'm reading from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exalt with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Titus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defence, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Amen. Welcome all, particularly welcome if you've come here today um, because we have a, a special, very, very special service today. I've been waiting to do this service for many years and uh, today we have the privilege and it is my great privilege to minister the word of God as we ordain two pastors into the, or uh, Pastor Ross and Ash into the ministry. So we are we are just so thankful to God because I've been praying to God that he would give us, raise up from within a, another pastor. And it's a fact, they've studied recently, when a church needs another pastor, it's very tempted to look outside for a gifted guy and say all these gifts will bring him in here. When a church does that, 80% of the time the transition fails. But when the church looks within to what God has planted already in the house 
and uses someone who has the church's DNA, 80% of those transitions succeed. So we are really happy as a house. You can give a big clap to God today that we have, we have a young couple. And you know, Paul, the passage my wife just read there, Paul was preaching to Timothy. And uh, as a younger man, I'm, I don't know how old they are, but they're a lot younger than I am. Uh, but as an older man, I'm just looking, because uh, we so need younger people who are willing to, Paul says to Timothy, you're going to have to proclaim the gospel, but you're also going to have to suffer for the gospel. And our world increasingly needs people who, young people, who are willing to take up that call to not only proclaim the gospel, but to suffer for the gospel. And I praise God because we've watched this couple. And it's a fact that I asked Ross to consider this call two years ago. And I was so delighted that he said nothing. <laughs> and I said pray about it. And he really did pray about it. And I kept expecting an answer. But what was so great is that he did not answer until God spoke to him. And so when that happens, you know he's not doing me a favor. He's not doing the church a favor. He's not filling a gap. He has received a call from God. Many are called. Few are chosen. So we are really, really grateful that God has actually raised someone up for within. And, and I believe with all my heart that God has called Ross and Ash into the ministry. And it's so important to understand the power of call because in ministry, I'll tell you, sometimes the only thing that sustains you is the call. The fact that I'm not doing this for a man, I, God called me to this. That's what sustains you. So I believe we have two, call, uh, two called people here today. And, <clears throat> and the passage M Michelle just read, Paul is in prison and he is... I would say three things, three W's. He is wounded. He is, he is weary from the years of ministry, but he's still warring. God, keep me in that place right to the end. Wounded, weary, but still warring. And there he is at the end, and he actually says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, I'm about to hand over to you, not just yet, but I'm about to hand the reins over to you, and he says, Timothy, I charge you. I charge you. And then he speaks about appearing before the judgment seat of Christ, which we'll all appear before. But to take on the ministry is, is not an It's a charge before God that I say to you today soberly that when you take up this call, you don't answer to men. One day you stand before God. And he says he will... Reward us according to our faithfulness. But this is what Paul said to Timothy. And I believe it's timeless that we don't have to reinvent the ministry. This is what these this two are called into. So we know what to expect from our pastors. What is the job of a real pastor to do? It's not to maintain a facility. It's not to keep everyone happy. It's not to have cups of tea. He says, here is what I want you to do. Timothy, first of all, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort. Not every sermon's are the same. With all long suffering and teaching, for the time will come. 
and is here now. Where they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll heap up for themselves teachers. And they'll turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the word of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. But to fulfill your ministry, the first thing you've got to do, he says, is preach the word. And there's a thing, there's a fact that we as preachers and pastors, we don't need to be too clever. You know, some people think as a pastor, you've always got to be engaging. You've always got to be. Sometimes you are, and sometimes you have, you know, greater light on a passage. But we, the truth is, we stand in the 2,000 years of history. And our job is to be faithful, not to preach my word, not to motivate you, but to preach the word of God. Just to preach the word. But you know why you've got to preach the word of God? Because encounters and experiences and falling over doesn't change people's lives. What changes and transforms people's lives I've seen over the years is the word of God. The word of God, when people start to live it and do it, their lives change. When you preach, simply preach the word of God. So many times I've preached on encouragement. Supernatural things happen. People come and say, oh, pastor, I so heard that word today that I need to forgive my mother. That's the miracle. That's the wonder of preaching the word. It's not, it's not a word. It's the word of God. And it is multidimensional. When you preach the word, the word is the truth. Just by hearing it, the truth sets people free. Psalm 103.7 says, I sent forth my word and healed them. The entrance of thy word brings light. When you just preach the word of God. Preach the word of God. People's lives are changed. They are set free and their lives are healed spiritually, physically, and emotionally. But when we say preach the word, preaching the word, I always say you've got two options. You can preach a dead word or you can preach a living word. There is a dead letter and there's a living word. And Psalm, sorry, Isaiah 55.10 says this. For as the rain comes down from the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That's what the word is. First, it's bread to you, then it's seed to them. If it ain't bread to you, it won't be seed to them. If it isn't life to you, it won't be life to them. So he says, this word, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall complete that I please. It shall prosper the thing which I send it for. Now notice you see that word, it says it comes down like the snow from heaven. There's two types of words you can preach. You shall know as a preacher. You can work something up in your study with your intellect and your brains and your big books. Or you can get into your prayer closet and press into God till the word comes down from heaven into your heart. And that's what you preach. And when you get that word, it's not easy. It takes hours in the prayer closet. But when you get that word, that word will go forth from God's mouth. It will not return void. It will accomplish what God sends before. But when you preach your word, you've got to be a praying man. You've got to be committed to getting your prayer closet and waiting upon God until the Holy Spirit speaks to you and is life to you. Preach that. Preach that. Preach that word. And the thing is, never underestimate the word. Never underestimate the ministry of the word. Someone once said to me, my wife, my child was working for a politician. And this is an original, but somebody said to me, did you ever consider politics? And I always said when I've heard, had that question, I never would take the demotion. I'm a preacher. <laughs> God is my boss. 
I, it's the truth. I serve God. I work for God. The benefits are extraordinary. But preach the word. The Bible says this. Romans 10 speaks about how salvation comes. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word. But people don't know the next verse. They says, but how will they hear unless they are sent? And how will they be sent unless they have a preacher? So preaching the word is vital to the salvation of soul and never underestimate it. But I want to tell you, as you begin to preach the word, when you receive that word, hell knows you've received the word. And that's why Paul says here in his letter, he says, preach the word. He's telling to Timothy what happened to him in his ministry. But he says, Alexander the coppersmith did be much harm. He resisted our words. When you have that word, when you preach that word, all hell knows you've got that word and all hell resists you. Sometimes as a preacher, you'll come home often as a preacher. You'll preach here and the power of God will move and Satan will be waiting for you as you get home on the porch. That's a fact. Because you've got the word. And he knows it's the word of God when it's proclaimed in the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's moving in this church. When the word is spoken, the living word, the word from heaven is spoken in the power of the Spirit. The same thing happens that happened in, when the world was formed. There was darkness and chaos. But when the word was spoken in the power of the Spirit, order and life comes out of chaos and darkness and the enemy knows it. And so the enemy had Alexander oppose Paul's preaching. And many times you see in the, in, the, in the New Testament when Paul was preaching, there would be revival and riots. Him and his team would just go and start proclaiming the word of God. All hell would break loose because Satan knows the power of that word. There's a time that, that really speaks to me about what preaching is like. There's a time where someone's preaching, I think it's Paul's offsider, in uh, Acts chapter 19. And then they're proclaiming, you need to repent. And be saved. You need to turn from your sin. You need to be born again. And as they preached, repent and be saved. This, this chaos and this pandemonium broke out in the city. And people were stirring up. All the people. And they were screaming out. Because they had an idol. They had a false god in that city. And they were screaming out, great is Diana. Great is that drowning out the word. This is the spirit of hindrance. As they tried to preach this, this cacophony from hell was trying to drown out the message. But they were faithful. As they preached, great is Diana. They proclaimed, repent from your sins. Great is Diana. You need to be born again. Great is Diana. Baptize and believe. Great is Diana. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There will be hindrances as you preach. But Paul says, no matter what the hindrances are, he says to Timothy, and this is the charge that I give to you today as a pastor. No matter what hindrance comes against you, preach the word. Preach the word in season. Preach the word out of season. Preach the word when the wind is blowing with you. Preach the word when the wind is blowing against you. Preach the word when you're running downhill. Preach the word when it's all uphill. Preach the word when you get out of bed and you can hardly stand because you're ill. Preach the word of God. The power is in the word. Preach the word of God when nobody's for you. Everyone is against you. Preach the word of God because there's power in the word. Do not stop proclaiming, preaching the word. Never stop proclaiming the word of God because the word of God, the word of God is what brings salvation, what brings freedom. You've got to have a great confidence in the word of God. Sometimes you get up here 
All hell's against you. It's like you've got treacle in your mouth. There's such oppression coming against you, and you feel so inadequate. But always remember this, the Word of God's never inadequate. It's not in you, it's in the Word. The only thing that matters is the Word goes out. Paul says, preach the Word. And he says, also be watchful in all things. Be watchful, because as a, as a pastor, you're also commissioned today, and you will act as a shepherd. And shepherds, their role, our job is to watch over sheep. And the sheep don't know this. Everyone here is a sheep. God, that's what he calls us. I don't call you that. God calls us all sheep. And sheep are not the most intelligent of creatures. Study. They wander off and they do silly things and spiritually people do the same things as well. They just do. And we're given a charge as a shepherd, not to be like the rest of the sheep, but to be watching the sheep. And it says this, we are to watch the sheep because there is an adversary because the devil who prowls around seeking which one of the sheep he may devour. And we are to watch. And interestingly, the phrase watch is hardly ever mentioned in the scripture without being added to by the word pray. Watch and pray. The greatest way you watch is in prayer. But we are to watch. Jesus said to the disciples in Gethsemane, where he was going through agony and praying and bleeding blood. His tears were sweating blood. So stressed was he. But he had an assignment to complete. And he completed it. But the disciples failed in theirs. And he said to them, can't you stay and watch for one hour? And they didn't. They went to sleep. And the one who stayed and prayed and watched went through. But the one who slept failed in their assignment. Bible tells us that we're to watch so we and the body is not deceived. Watch that false teachers don't come in. There's been occasions where I've invited somebody and halfway through the program realized they're a false teacher. Had to do something about it. Because your job as a shepherd is to feed the sheep. Feed the sheep the word of God, but to shoot the wolves. Watch against greed. Watch that you don't be overcome by temptation. Watch your life. Watch your teaching. Watch and pray. But I want to tell you what, 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 what is so wonderful when you're, a, when you're a shepherd. Is as you pray, watch and pray. Sheep, they don't see everything in the other sheep. Because they're sheep. Mostly they just play with the sheep. Chase after the sheep. Fall down with the sheep. So sheep do. But a shepherd looks over intently the sheep. He looks to see if they're flea, but he looks to see the condition of their fleas. He looks, and God gives a real shepherd a God-given grace. And sometimes you will see in the sheep things that the other sheep don't see into. You'll see things in people and have to correct them, and nobody else sees it. It can be difficult, but that's what the shepherd does. He's to watch 
over the sheep and prayer. And if you watch and pray, the great thing about a shepherd, you also need, shepherd needs to lead the sheep. You can't lead the sheep without vision. But you don't need to get a book and read about vision. If you pray, when you watch, you will see things in your prayer closet that God wants to do. And if you watch and pray, you'll have God's vision for your ministry. So you're to preach the word. You are to watch over the flock. And you are to pray. And then Paul says to Timothy, the fun bit, you are to endure afflictions. And if you're entering into ministry, uh, afflictions, you shall know. Paul says in chapter 3 of verse 10, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, Timothy, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, what happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium? He was stoned and left for dead at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So as you go into the ministry, as you accept the call of God to serve him, to preach his word, to oversee the flock that God has placed in your care, there will be many afflictions. And Paul speaks about those afflictions. I, I will tell you, some of the afflictions that are just real, a minister has to deal with in this day and age is the affliction of disappointment. Sometimes you believe God, you trust with God, and, da -da, and then something will happen. You can experience crushing disappointment. Crushing disappointment. Life is like that, but ministry is like that even more. You can experience weariness because the reality is in, in ministry, unfortunately, 80% uh, of the work is done by 20% of the people. It shouldn't be like that. Whole body should function together, and we're trying to change that. But that's sometimes you'll get up here to preach the Word of God. You can hardly drag yourself because you've been doing something else, but God says He sustains the weary. Sometimes the afflictions are like Alexander and Paul did me much harm. Sometimes people will falsely accuse you. And I give you a warning. If you walk in the Spirit, if you walk by the Spirit, those who walk by the flesh will misunderstand you and sometimes accuse you. That's just the reality. Esau and Jacob don't get on. Paul or Saul and David don't get on. The man of the flesh will always persecute the man of the spirit. And sometimes people will try to do you great harm because they'll think you're a false prophet because you're ministering in the spirit. Paul was called, he's the greatest preacher probably that ever lived, and he was called a false apostle. Many times he went into churches and they called him a false apostle. says here, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, only Luke is with me. The, the, the reality, we're giving it to you all real here today. Sometimes people will forsake you. Sometimes people say, I'm with you forever, pastor. I'm just with you. And they're not with you. They're with you while things are good, or they're with you till you correct them. But they're not with you ever. That's just a reality of ministry. Paul had it. Jesus had it. And he says, at my trial, 
Everyone abandoned with me. No one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me. Always remember this. God plus a called man is always the majority. While it's great to have people stand with you, you don't need people stand with you if God is with you. We love to have people, but it's unnecessary if God is with you. If God is with you, God is with you in power, and God will make your ministry be a success. It will be fulfilled to what God calls you to do. But one thing I will say, one thing I've learned, is that because, often in the ministry, Satan will get into relationships. Satan will cause people to misunderstand you. Satan calls people to leave you. Look after your girl. Look after your girl. Sometimes that's all you've got. Look after your wife. Many times, she's the only one who's going to get it. Many times, she's the only one who's going to understand. So you're going to have opposition from people. But the most opposition and affliction you cop from is from the enemy himself. If you are called, chosen, and anointed, you become a target of the enemy, and he will attack. He will attack your health. He will attack your finances. He will attack your marriage, and he will attack your relationships, even your family. Par for the course. But remember, remember this, always remember this, everyone remember this, none of your afflictions is meaningless, none of your misery is meaningless. With God, every time, that's why James says, when I'm under a trial, I can count it all joy, because every affliction God uses to produce patience and to change you because he's more interested in producing your character into the likeness of Christ. And he does that in the, in the affliction and the fire of testing. So nothing you go through is meaningless. He's using it, every affliction, to change you in the likeness of his son. Remember it. Every weakness you go through, when you're afflicted, you feel weak. But the purpose of his weakness... Paul said, I rejoice in afflictions. I rejoice in my weakness because when I'm weak, then I experience the power of God. He writes another time, I want to know Christ. And the way, if we want to know Christ, there's only one way. He says, I want to know Christ by the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. The two always go together. There is no power without the cross first. There is no power of resurrection without the crucifixion first. So remember all your sufferings. When you're weak, when you're afflicted, when you, you feel like you haven't got the strength to do anything, that's when God turns up. That's when the power of God manifests, not when you feel great. And remember this. A summary of that is there is purpose in your pain. Always there's purpose. God's purpose is in your pain. But remember this. The Word of God is... Never, will never fail you. Scripture never fails. I was just reflecting the other day. Jesus, they broke the two legs of the thieves either side of him when he was crucified. But they didn't break his legs. One, because God cares for those who serve him. But also because the scriptures can never fail. Can never fail. And this is what the scripture says to you. Though, yes... You will face disappointment. You'll face weariness. You'll face false accusations. You will have affliction. This is what Paul said. He said, I had incredible affliction. However, and you in Christ Jesus will have it too. He says, but in verse 11, 
speaks about the persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. If you go over to verse 17, he says, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. That's Satan. And the Lord will deliver me from every work and persevere me for his heavenly kingdom. If God calls you, he, if it comes to you, if the persecution comes to you, if the affliction comes to it, he's allowed it. That's what the book of Job teaches. He's allowed it to get to you and there is a purpose for it. But at the exact right time, just as Saul was persecuting David over and over and over, at the exact right time, God always delivered David. Saul never caught him. The devil will never take you out until God says again. The Bible says this, many of the afflictions of the righteous, but out of them all God will deliver you. Every single time you're afflicted, just expect and wait for the power of God, for the goodness of God to break into your circumstances because the test is only trial until the test becomes a testimony. That is God's promise. You know when you're afflicted. You know when you're suffering. God is on the way. His power is about to turn the test into a testimony. His promises to turn everything for the good of those who love him. So though you will be afflicted, though you will be afflicted, remember, Word of God never fails. His goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of his life. And he will deliver you. Not might, not maybe, not if. He will deliver you. His delivering power is on the way. So Paul says, preach the word. Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions and do the work of an evangelist. See all this? This is not because we like traveling, we like crowds. It's because we have been, I've been commissioned to do the work of an evangelist. That's simply where the harvest is. It's where the simple harvest is. But in your ministry, you may not be called to that field. But we are called to be fruitful. We are called to be fruitful. Of, and it is possible in ministry to preach the whole counsel of God, preach on holiness, preach on purity, preach on endurance, preach on encouragement. And sometimes to be moved away from the main game. The main game is we to be fishers of men. Our main game is to we are be about the souls of men. We are to press men and preach the message of salvation. To explain the way of salvation. That Jesus Christ came from heaven to die on a cross for a reason. That unless our sins be washed away... At the end of our life, there will not be heaven, but there will be hell. God cannot let someone into heaven whose sins haven't been cleansed. Otherwise, heaven will not be heaven anymore. We must explain God's means of salvation, the path of salvation, and we must proclaim to the people. It's not an if, it's not a maybe, it's not something to be considered. Paul said, by this name, you must be saved. Unless you receive Christ and become a follower of Christ at the end of your life, it's not heaven, it's hell. That's the reality of the gospel. But God so loves everybody, he doesn't want anyone in hell. That was created for Satan. And he sent his own son, the only one who could save you. And at the peak of his life, he struck him down and shed his blood to forgive your sins so you could enter that heaven. But that is the gospel. And that is the main game. To preach to people that they need to repent of their sins, receive Christ, and be saved and enter heaven. Never let that, never be moved away from preaching that gospel. 
And then Paul says at the end, he says to Timothy, fulfill your ministry. And Paul says, he's at the end of his life. He says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. Sometimes that's a great description for ministry. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I want to tell you in the scriptures, if you're called of God to proclaim the gospel, there is no retirement. There's no retirement plan. You'll not find it in heaven. And every, man, every minister I see who retires ends up as a disaster. I say that kindly, but it's just not scriptural. We are called to proclaim and to proclaim and to proclaim and to die with our boots on. Doesn't mean you always work full time, but you must. This is a lifetime calling. It's not a light calling. It's a, it's a calling to fight the fight of faith. To, what does Paul say? He says, to fight. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And he says that he didn't grow weary. He may have felt weary, but he says to Timothy, fulfill the calling. Fulfill the calling. You'll find that Peter, Paul, Stephen, they never ministered for so many years and then bought a Winnebago and started to travel. They were struck down, most of them. And they died with their boots on. That's the call of the gospel. And I always say this, you know, in, in boxing, Paul says, I fought the good fight. It's war. And it's war. Ministry is warring against the enemy daily, daily, daily. Da you get the odd reprieve, but most of it is just war, constant war. That's what it is. The enemy is always trying to cause division. The enemy is always trying to oppress people. The enemy is, he just doesn't stop. And it is war. But I, I, I always remember this. When you're in a battle, when you're in a war, some attempted to quit. And unfortunately, many pastors have quit. But this is, I remember saying this many, many years as I left Bible college. Paul says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. When I left Bible college, I made this vow to God that's always stood with me. I said to God, I said, God, from this day forward, I would ask you that you would consider me a penny in your pocket to be spent. Means pennies have no rights. Poured out like a drink offering. That's what ministry is. That's all it is. Boxers, when they're in, I've said this many times in messages, boxers, when they're in fights, there is a opportunity when you see your boxer, your fighter, if you're a trainer, if you see him taking too much punishment, the corner or the trainer has the option to throw in the towel, which means you quit. Here's my advice. You burn the towel. You just burn the towel. Quitting is not an option. But I want to tell you, that's all the bad news. It's all the bad news. This is a reality. Ministry. You will be wounded. Mostly you'll be weary. And constantly you'll be warring.
but there's no other game in town. There's no other game. Five years into it, there's no other game in town. To serve Jesus Christ is the most exhilarating ride on the roller coaster that one man can have, and woman. And that he is no man's debtor. That he will bless you. He will reveal himself to you like no before. He will show you things. He will win victories that you think will astound you. Every year, he will do more and more and more through you. He will produce fruit from you that you didn't think was in you. I once went to a... It was only a month after we planted this church. I went to a conference. And it was a prophetic conference. And I thought, yes, God's going to have a word for me and this church. So I was all excited. I went down to Sydney and I went to this conference... And um, everyone's getting words from them. Left, right, I've got no word. And I'm sitting there thinking, where's my word? And uh, <clears throat> the end. All the professionals have gone home. And this man comes over to me, 74 years old. He says, I've been, I've been watching you there for two days. And he said, I, I'm not really a prophetic man. He said, but this time I know I've heard from God. I know I've heard from God. And he came over to me and he said, I don't know you from Adam. He said, but... I have a sense that you've started a new work. I said, you're right. Here's my word. And he said, here's your word. Persevere. And as soon as I heard it, my stomach dropped. Because <laughs> I knew what it meant. But you know what? Look at that. We've got churches all over the place. We've bought churches in Pakistan, India, Kai, all over the place. We've, got, we've got, had so many people hear the gospel through this ministry, preach to tens of thousands and say, the only thing that I think we've done is persevere. We've made so many mistakes, so many mistakes, but there's such power in just not quitting. God does the rest. And as you run, this is a great motivation that I've always had. It's nothing of this world. Paul says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. I fought the fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord on the righteous judge will give, not just to me, Paul says, but to all those who have loved his appearing. You'll be wounded. You will be weary. You will have to war, but boy, it's going to be worth it. More than worth it, particularly on that day. There's your charge. Let's pray for them. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you are still calling men and women to the ministry to proclaim the eternal message of salvation through your son Jesus Christ you're calling people to proclaim it but to also to suffer for it and we just give you a praise today and thank you for this couple that you have raised them you have provided for them and father God you shall use them beyond their greatest expectation I pray it all in Jesus name now we want you to come forward now and uh, we are going to pray and uh, we we just know that there is an enablement that God gives for the gospel that is not human. 
And as we set this couple aside today, we believe that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them in a fresh way and enable them to do exceedingly abundantly above all they could ever even think or dream. That's the promises of God. 